across the land, people are gathering. Disturbed people. Demented people. Gathering to discuss films. Disturbed films. Demented films. These people know not what they do. They do not think before they speak. For they are bastards. Daily grindhouse bastards. Giving the opinions no one asked for. Yet demand to know. This is... The Daily Grindhouse presents... No Budget Nightmares. Episode 5, Nightmare Asylum. And welcome everybody to another Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares. Hey, I got it right that time. Sweet. Very well done, Bob. Say hi, Doug. Hi, everybody. Also known as Sweetback <laughs> over at dailygrindhouse.com. That's right. Uh, and yes, Mo, today we are going to be talking about our very first Todd Sheets movie. Oh, now I know... You have sort of a mixed bag opinion on, on Todd Sheets. I, on the other... Mixed is a funny word to use, Mo, because it's not as much mixed as it is massively negative with a few random positive kind of emotions wrapped up in there. See, whereas whereas I'm the exact opposite. I absolutely love Todd Sheets. You know, I, I am a, I'm a huge fan of his very prolific career. <laughs> I'll give him that. He's an incredibly prolific, well, he used to be anyway, yeah. incredibly prolific in terms of a filmmaker. You know, I, I want to mention right off the bat that a few years ago, I, I actually watched this movie for the first time back in 2008, and I wrote up a review on a blog for it at the time, and Todd Sheets actually emailed me after it, and I'm not going to lie to you, the, the review was not exactly complimentary, but, you know, he was very respectful, very nice, you know, very open to the fact that I thought his movie was... Well, this is a bit of a spoiler, a complete piece of shit. But, uh, <laughs> but again, really respectful. I'm, I'm, all, I'm pro Todd Sheets as a person, and sometimes, occasionally, I'm pro Todd Sheets as a filmmaker, but not, not in this case. Well, I mean, I, I do suspect that there are going to be at least at least three more Todd Sheets movies that we can, you know, that, that we'll get into in the, in the future. But, but for today, we have the... What's a good adjective other than shitty to to, to say for for Nightmare Asylum? The hmm, low uh, rent. I mean, it's, it's scatterbrain. Scatterbrain is a good word. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think uh, slipshod. Okay. Um, that's not bad. Uh, it's 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 a poor production in a lot of different ways. But tonight we're going to be talking about Nightmare Asylum. Nightmare Asylum. Uh, and and. Um, just like most of the movies that we've talked about so far, Nightmare Asylum, not quite reaching the full length uh, that you would normally expect out of a feature film. Yeah, I think this one's about 69 minutes. 68, 69 minutes, yeah. and some of that is is filler, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> well, a lot of it is filler. <laughs> Daddy's 
68 minutes of filler out of the 69 minutes of the film as a whole. Yeah, so um, I mean, so this is normally the part where we would say, hey, Doug, or Sweetback, or Tough Tiff. Hi, Tough Tiff. Uh, tell, tell me about this movie. The problem is, in this particular case, that's kind of almost impossible. Like, there's no real plot, so to speak. You know, I can. Pr- I think both of us could probably figure out how this movie uh, originated. Now, Todd Sheets made a lot of movies uh, starting in the late eighties. A lot of uh, movies, like a, a lot of movies, like like many movies, like several movies a year. Yeah, and right up through the the early and mid and later part of the nineties, uh, a lot of them straight, uh, straight, obviously straight to video, <laughs> shot on shot on VHS. Um, you know, low production values, that sort of thing. In this case, I think we can both guess that. Uh, he had a haunted house made available to him, one of those uh, kind of theme park style haunted houses. Well, and not to uh, you know, not to, to 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 ruin the mystery of it all, but in the closing credits, it does thank the haunted house where it was filmed. The Devil's Dark Side. The Devil's house. Dark Side haunted house. And in case you were like you're like, oh yeah, uh, Sweetback and Mo, how do you know that it was made in a haunted house? Not only do they a advertise it, but b there's exit signs all over the place. Don't follow the exit signs. They lead to hell. Yeah, they actually have to refer to it in the movie because otherwise, what kind of sense does it make? Anyway, we'll get into that in a bit. But that's that's almost certainly what happened. He had this... um, Well, there's also a a parenthetical at the end where it says, thanks to this haunted house, you know, where we filmed. So, I mean, it's not like we're not not grasping at anything here. He made it very abundantly clear that this is where he filmed it. Exactly. And, And... the, the movie was designed to be made in this haunted house in that the scenes take place in these certain sections of this of uh, this uh, theme park or this theme area yeah and uh, and you know if I had to guess and again I'm just guessing here I would imagine a lot of it was they went to the room they made up a scene to go along with what's in that room and then they shot it because they don't necessarily link together in any sort of logical way. Yeah, the editing in this in this film is is uh, disconcerting a little bit. I, it's it's kind of all over the place. I mean, like now I'm not gonna lie to you. Like you know, me, me and Doug definitely. I don't think we agree on on our opinion of this film. I and I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was I thought it was incredibly fun. Uh, I mean, it's not a good movie, no. But it, but I had a lot of fun watching it. I mean, like there are definitely some characters who were more entertaining than others. That is to say, they had they were better at ad libbing their dialogue than than the other actors were. My aching banana, my But I don't want to uh, to interrupt you uh, gleefully talking about how. Much you love Todd Sheets and I how do much you Todd adore Sheets. this movie, but uh, let let me just make it abundantly clear to whoever might be listening at the moment that this movie is shit. <laughs> the, the acting is shit, and it looks like shit, and it sounds like shit. The sound it, quality it, in the film is is very rough. It's, it's piss fucking poor. It's I mean, really it is rough. Really unlistenable. Most of the dialogue you can't make out at all, and that's probably a good thing. <laughs> now, if you've watched a few or any Todd Sheets movies then you're going to recognize certain elements of how they're put together. I, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of uh, like production, like post-production type setup that he had available to Who him. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but um, the soundtrack, the musical soundtrack of the film, <laughs> uh, 
it's just been layered over the dialogue. So a lot of the times, the uh, the music is much louder than the dialogue itself. Yeah. Now, the music in this case is really only two pieces of music for the entire film. There's one, which is sort of a main theme, um, which is sort of, you know... Uh, John Carpenter-ish in a really lame kind of way. It'll be likely it'll be likely the music that was heard at the beginning of the episode. And uh, perhaps you could also fit in a, a clip of uh, the uh, the public domain uh, sections from Gustav Holt's uh, <laughs> the, pla- the planet uh, the planet story. Now that that piece of oh, sorry that that series of pieces of music are what are uh, most well-known for as being the main inspiration of John Williams' score for Star Wars. And you can really hear it, but I'll tell you what it doesn't make sense in, and that's a horror movie that takes place... I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's layered on, and it seems so random because it's 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 sort of... No, I wouldn't say uplifting. It's actually kind of <laughs> moody and weird, but it certainly is... Uh, it feels really... Incongruous with everything that you're looking at. On yeah, he should he should have just had he should have just used Enochian key for the entire uh, uh, for the entire film. What's the odds that that Enochian key, uh, who did the soundtrack here, <laughs> I guess uh, elements of that are just Todd Sheets because Todd Sheets did. I always just assumed. I mean, like from the from the second I realized that every Todd Sheets movie is done, the music is done by Enochian key. I just assumed it was his band. Dateline. Upon further research after recording, it is determined that Enochian Key is in fact Todd Sheets' band created solely for the purposes of creating music for Todd Sheets' movies. We now return you to your previously scheduled program. I'm almost certain that that's the case, because he obviously did the main theme for uh, another one of his films, Prehistoric Bimbos in Armageddon City. <laughs> Prehistoric has, Bimbos! It's a great, that's actually the greatest... That's the best Enochian Key song ever. The, the, yeah, Enochian the, Key does the music for, for Zombie Rampage, they, do the, they right. do the music for Moonchild. I mean, basically, if you name a Todd Sheets movie, Enochian Key does the music for it. Um, so, so I think it's pretty fair to say, and I mean, uh, within the credits themselves, uh, a number of the names uh, almost certainly are pseudonyms for Todd Sheets himself. I mean, sure, the guy, I'm sure. Is obviously a workhorse, and he's uh, in all of the movies too. He is in yeah. all the movies, including this one. Yeah, you can always tell which one is Tachi. He's the guy who looks like uh, a little bit like Dave Mustaine, is who I usually uh, compare his look to. Yep. Um, and and that I mean, when when there's a kind of metal looking guy um, in the scene and just seems kind of randomly there, that's always Tachi. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about what the plot is because we haven't talked about the plot at all because it's very, very difficult to talk about. It's it's rough. Why, why don't you give it a shot? I'll, I'll let you oh. go into this one. So uh, we start with a, a girl being chased by uh, basically a giant Jawa. A dude in a robe is chasing after her through uh, stairwells, and it's all kind of fog covered. Yeah, let me let me ask you a question on that one. I want to get your opinion because I was a little, I you know, I, I had a hard time with this with this bit. The guy she was being chased by in the you know in the cowl was he was he wearing a mask or do you think that was just his face? I think it was his face. Uh, maybe he just had makeup it. on because it because it looked fake. You know, like like it just seemed like he was wearing like 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 either like an old man mask or 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 something. I don't know. It was just really it's just a really weird look and like it just didn't seem to me like like there were any people who actually existed who would look like that. And I mean maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember which state Todd Sheets is from. I know it's in the, the, the U.S. South because 
you can always tell some of the accents that that he he ends up with. Very country, yeah. Very very country. And there's one dude in this movie who looks like Jeff Foxworthy, and it's very distracting to me. Are you talking? Are you, are you talking about the guy with the with the corpse paint and the mustache? Yes, the corpse paint and the mustache. Yeah, <laughs> not as a lot of mullets in these. Movies. Not as good as the guy. With, not not as funny or interesting as the guy with the corpse paint and the and the Camaro mullet, but it's good enough. He, he was a good. He was a good like second fiddle to that guy. Uh, I, I was talking to Mo just before we started recording uh, the idea that I'm usually really careful, or I try to be careful about knowing the names of the characters in the film. Uh, this is it's really difficult. In it's almost case. almost impossible in this film. I mean, we we have to refer to them as uh, you know Jeff Foxworthy face or no face or yeah. uh, or mullet Camaro guy because that's the only way to really uh, differentiate between them. Uh, but it's not it's not going to matter for the purpose of the plot. It doesn't so, matter. So this girl is being chased. Now, we don't know anything about her background or what she's doing. We discover her name is Lisa, and she is trapped, uh, apparently, in this funhouse location. It's almost supposed to be some sort of parallel world or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's not supposed... It's supposed to be some place that nobody can ever get out of, uh, some kind of underworld or... I mean, it seems to me like it would be an underworld because it seems like they trap other people by sucking them into into the ground, so to speak. Right. Uh, and, and, and I mean, she, uh, she's aware of the fact there's an outside world, but the people that are in, inside this nightmare asylum <laughs> don't, don't seem to be aware that there's a, there's kind of an outside element that there's blue skies or any of that sort of thing. outside. Yeah, she, yeah. she talks about it at some point. And, uh, throughout the film, she starts to lose her memory of, of this outside world. So the, theoretically, we're supposed to think that the people in here that she runs into, maybe at some point, like you said, were dragged in and just had forgotten about the outside world. Well, well, I have to admit that if I spend if I spend more than fifteen minutes on the inside of a building, I forget what the outside world looks like too. So, depending on the building, I might want to stay in there and never <laughs> think about the outside world. Um, so, so she's in this. Basically, she's now. Uh, in a situation which gives her license to uh, to kind of fall backwards into all these different set pieces, which are just sections of this funhouse. Yeah. And she at first runs into uh, a kind of a tall, skinny, blonde guy, and his name is Spider. You almost did me there for sure. Wait a minute. Who are you? Uh, he uh, basically rescues her from this uh, cloaked character and brings her to see his family. Yeah. Come on, we're almost there. And I guess his family is supposed to be sort of like a, again, like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre style kind of crazy family. There's pops and there's the the mulleted uh, Camaro guy, um, and they're all get, get it about right, her. Doug. It's called the Camaro mullet. <laughs> it's, sure. it's the it's style. Pretty... It's the style of haircut that he has. <laughs> we have we have hockey here. Up here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it's this. Yeah, it's exactly a Camaro mullet and hockey hair, almost identical. All right. So yeah. the hockey hair guy. That's go. what I'm going to say. Uh, he's there, and they're all supposed to be looking for food. In this case, food are basically strewn body parts that are around. What do you think uh, of the guy? What do you think of the guy who she ran into at the beginning of the movie, who was trapped in the giant mouse trap? He's trapped in a giant mousetrap, and he starts talking sort of nonsense. Napoleon, <laughs> oh, Napoleon, we got scissors. Come here, come here, lady, lady, come here, help me get out of this, please. Oh, come on, I can't get I up. Can't, come on, I you can do it. Just help me pull it off. Get it off me. Get it off. I'll show you the way out of the house. 
you know what? I don't know if you noticed this, Mo. I only didn't know. I didn't notice it the first time I watched this. And again, watched it twice because uh, that's how I roll. He he talks to her for a second, and then um, this kind of um, this this big guy who's not Todd Sheets. Uh, it's the other fat guy in the movie who doesn't look uh, who who doesn't really make a lot of appearances. He reminded me of who am I thinking of? From uh, from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the the asshole rich guy. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. I know you are, but what am I? You're a nerd. I know you are, but what am I? You're an idiot. I know you are, but what am I? 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 Infinity. No, I'm not. You are. No way. Knock it off. Cut it out. Oh, shut up, Pee Wee. Why don't you make me? Why don't you make me? Because I don't make monkeys. I just train them. Oh, Pee-wee, listen to reason. Oh, come on. I'm listening to reason. Pee-wee. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, he looked kind of like him. So he comes out with a chainsaw. So this guy talks nonsense. He's trapped in a giant mousetrap. He comes in and slices him with a chainsaw. But then they show a bunch of close-ups, and it's a circular saw instead of a chainsaw. <laughs> but he's... It is. I mean, it's obviously they switch it out. And it's just cutting into a big pile of meat. I mean, yeah, basically they took yeah, it's a giant pile of ground beef essentially, and they're just cutting into it. It's, 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 it's you know, I mean, as bad as it is, you know, I, I find it endearing that they would that they would go out and waste that much ground beef just so they can make their movie. There's a lot of meat in this movie. A lot of meat. A lot. It, I mean, I mean, and, and bully for them for uh, realizing that <laughs> hey, it's kind of disconcerting to see really pink kind of ground beef. Uh, all piled up on someone's stomach. It's supposed to be uh, their guts all strewn around. I was actually, uh, I was actually kind of worried because it looked like there was like, I, I, not necessarily in the in the scene you're talking about, but there were other scenes where where they were cutting into that ground beef up, on, clearly sitting on top of an actual person. And I was like, man, I wonder how many people actually got cut, you know? Because I, I, I mean, I doubt there was any real like, you know, safety standards, <laughs> you know, involved in the film. I would film, say right? that. Getting injured on a Todd Sheets movie is like the the most uh, misguided sacrifice a person could do. <laughs> uh, oh, it was Francis. That's right, Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. To be referring to yeah. just in case anyone was yelling at their uh, their various music players just then. I know I do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just yell randomly. I don't care. <laughs> so she uh, she meets this family, and uh, at this point, like, and we're talking about maybe fifteen minutes into the movie. At this point, it becomes really difficult to explain what the plot is. We know that there are good guys uh, to some extent. Apparently, got, yeah. A- apparently, that's exactly right. Lisa is supposed to be good and innocent. Uh, Spider, who is sort of her love interest, I guess. Um, yeah, who knows? But he's crazy. I mean, he just kind of laughs randomly and starts screaming for no reason. But it changes. Yeah, it's like it's like it changes with his mood. You know, I mean, right. like like yeah, she's she's interested in him. You know, in a for a second, and then he's screaming. I, it's, it's, it just it doesn't make any sense. And it certainly doesn't make any sense that she would be in any way. Uh, uh, in, attracted to him. Yeah, or, yeah. Whatever she is, because there's a part like as soon as they meet and as soon as she goes to meet this family she he starts asking her about the outside world and she starts to make up this horse shit about like uh togetherness and <laughs> getting close and i mean it's weird because it seems like she's flirting with him even though he's clearly insane yeah uh, it's it's crazy crazy it 
there, I will say that that kind of weird off kilter mood and kind of uh, uh, emotion it, it, that you sometimes get in like a really whacked out like like a David Lynch type film. Mm. You do sort of get that here, if only because things don't fit together. It, yeah, it this this is structure. this is sort of like I would say this most this clo- most closely relates to like an unfinished David Lynch film. Yeah, though don't I mean I, I'm not I'm not I'm not yeah I'm, I I don't I don't when I say that I don't mean like I'm not trying to give any any extra credit you know to anybody no I I just mean like it's it's obviously like a like a piss poor you know badly filmed low budget you know unfinished David Lynch film right so we yeah. have Lisa and we have Spider and the family and they're supposed to be uh, on some level the the good guys and then we have the bad guys. Uh, which includes the Francis from Pee Wee uh, character, mm-hmm. the the Jeff Foxworthy uh, mustached guy, and Todd Sheets himself. Mm-hmm. And Todd Sheets loves to do two things. He loves to talk, and he loves to scream like Sam Kinison. Did you notice that? He was doing that a lot throughout the movie. Yeah. He, he just likes to scream like, ah, all the time. Oh, oh, oh! Ah, ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, do, you do a much better Sam Kinison than I could ever do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that's what he he does. And you, we've talked a little bit a, bit, a little bit in these previous movies about how a lot of the dialogue seems uh, improvised. I guess when you're really kind of hot to trot to make a movie, you don't really want to spend time writing out what people actually have to say. Well, I got I got to tell you, when when you know when me and my friends used to used to film, I mean, we would never try to do anything feature length, but I mean, when we would do films, you know, short short films. Uh, comedy skits and whatnot. Yeah, ninety percent of the stuff that we would that we like, we would come into it with a premise, and kind of like worry about the dialogue after the fact. And, and you know, so it's like it was very much the same way that I assume Todd Sheets does his films. But yeah, it's it's a great. I, I always found it to be a really fun way to work because like you never really know what's going to happen, and if you fuck something up really bad, you know, it's actually funnier in the end. So. Well, don't get me wrong. I, I do appreciate uh, people with strong improv skills and people who are able to uh, pull ideas out of the sky and P- kind of put them together. Yeah, P.S. I have no improv skills. <laughs> or just the ability to go with the flow to some extent. Exactly. But the dialogue in this case is just kind of this rapid-fire talk, talk, talk that, that doesn't necessarily – I mean there's a lot of threats being thrown around and stuff like that. But it's, and, it's lots of, much... and lots of really weird like insults. Well, yeah, yeah, like like really he weird. like he keeps he keeps like there's a there's a there's a section of the film where where I'm assuming it's the Todd Sheets character. Todd Sheets was the was the the Camaro mullet guy, right? Uh, no, no, no. Unless we're thinking of, of a, a different person, maybe I don't know. Uh, well, um, the the family had the the spider and they had the father, but they also had the kind of uh, who I think you're talking about the Camaro mullet guy who, who's kind of spindly and he ends up getting all these scars across his chest because they oh no 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 i'm talking i'm talking about i'm talking about the other camaro mullet guy with the corpse paint who talks with the jeff foxworthy guy through the entire oh, yeah, movie that's him that's yeah that, that that's what i thought that's who i thought that was all right uh like he there there like there's an entire segment of, of of the film i think it's maybe it's like maybe like five to seven minutes or so where he just over and over again, keeps calling the the Jeff Foxworthy guy a, a, a piece of dookie. 
You know, it's funny that I'm glad that you brought that up actually, because having watched a few Todd Sheets movies, he uses the term Dookie in, in all of them. Uh, his character, whoever it is, wow. always calls someone or refers to Dookie, which must have been, I mean, obviously. It's probably just like an inside joke, but. I guess, but it's so strange. You know? Yeah, it's it's very disconcerting, like in a film like this, to, to all of a sudden hear somebody go, Oh, you piece of Dookie! You piece of Dookie! Yeah, and I mean, Todd Sheets is a, is a pretty big dude, you know? I mean, he actually has sort of a presence to him on the <laughs> yeah. screen. Uh, but he, he, the way he uses dialogue is, and for one thing, a lot of this dialogue is 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 supposed to be funny, I think. It's him kind of, you know, there's a, kind of an underling bad guy, and they're just kind of talking back and forth and yelling at each other, and he throws a hand at him, and he says, here, <laughs> I gotta hand it to you. That's what he says, because yeah, yes. all of these movies have to have shitty puns in them. Yeah. My Aiken um, banana, my Aiken kumquat. <laughs> That's that is my favorite piece of dialogue in the movie. Well, we'll, it's we'll so bizarre. We'll get we'll get to my favorite piece of dialogue in a second. But but that but my uh, but the the my aching banana my aching kumquat that that is the most insane. I mean, like because because when you think about it, like these people aren't supposed to know what the outside world is, right? You right. know, so it's like, <laughs> why do they know what a banana is? Why I mean, do they know what a kumquat is? If you're looking for internal consistency, you got to look... No, 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 obviously I'm not. I'm clearly not looking for that. Oh, no, I mean anybody. If anybody's <laughs> looking for internal consistency, they're in the ver- a very wrong place. Because yeah. even outside of the fact that it's very visibly a funhouse type, uh, type deal, um, there's lots of times when people are obviously screwing up their lines, and, um, and in many cases you would do a, a second take. Uh, but in, in this movie... Todd Sheets kind of cuts around people screwing up their lines yeah. by cutting to scenery. Now, scenery in this case are pieces of the funhouse. Uh, now, uh, this funhouse tends to use um, wax. There's a wax museum within this, a really awful looking one within this funhouse. Yeah. And cut to characters from movies. Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, the, the, the only thing that I found terrifying about this movie was the wax sculpture for Reagan from uh from the Exorcist. Like that's that's the that, like it was terrifying. Like and yeah. like and like they would they would film it like from front on so it looked like it was staring at you. Terrifying. Though every once in a while I think twice throughout the movie they uh they cut to a wax uh, pinhead. Picture, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it looks it looks like the pinhead from the most recent Hellraiser straight-to-video movie, which which meaning that it looks all misshapen and weird. <laughs> it looks awful. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, it's they're like stand-up wax dummies of characters, of famous characters, that they just cut to. Yeah, random. Just completely random. There's even a random. part where really early on, or pretty early on, <laughs> where a character gets dragged into a grave sort of randomly, mm-hmm. uh, and they cut to the gravestones. And you know how in a lot of these haunted theme parks yeah they, they'll have like well-known horror personalities on them. so they cut they show like the names that are on each tombstone and it's john carpenter and wes craven and stephen king <laughs> i mean it's we're talking about something that's really low rent in this case yeah yeah but I mean, you know, I mean, I, I guess you know, you, you you film where you gotta, and I, I can't really hold it against him if he, you know, I'm not knocking is, him but for no, the no. idea of making the most of what you have. I think no. that's a really, that's a really great thing. But the thing is, if you have it, then why not a why not cover over the exit signs for one thing? Don't <laughs> refer to it in the fucking plot. Yeah. <sighs> I'll tell you, Mo. I, I I really am looking forward to hearing you defend this movie because it. 
is so painful to watch because even if you are trying to enjoy it, the production values are so low. I but mean, I, you really can't make out... Like, we talked about that dialogue we just quoted. Uh, that's pretty much the only dialogue that he says that you can really make out. Yeah, there's... Yeah, there's... Uh, there, okay, fine, you're right. He's, he screams... Todd Sheet screams 90% of his, of, his, of his dialogue in the film, and most of it's basically just him going, Aah! you know? I said, get him up! I said, get him up! But uh, <laughs> and, he does sing. Uh, the South's gonna rise. South's gonna rise. <laughs> so I mean, at least at least his influences are in the right place. I've heard him in interviews talk about his, some of his influences, talk, talking about Lucio Fulci and and uh, Dario Argento. But you cannot see that on the screen. Oh no 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 no! I mean, yeah, I, yeah, because I, he, he, you know, it's bad when when you know when when you want to compare him to like people who you would kind of almost call his contemporaries like uh, like a J.R. Bookwalter sure you know but but J.R.'s films are so like like there's like like the difference is J.R. is a, a pretty decent filmmaker he just makes micro budget films you know like like I think that's what he just wants to do like I like like J.R. Bookwalter films and 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 like I can and it's and like it's I can I can explain why I like like his films because most of them are pretty good the Todd Sheets I don't really have any explanation as to why I like him I think it's just he's so bonkers that I just find that endearing <laughs> you know like it's like like I like I mean like there were there was maybe like a good five or ten minutes where there was absolutely nothing going on in the film whatsoever but I couldn't stop laughing <laughs> You know, one of other one of his other contemporaries would be David Dakota, who actually produced, produced this, this movie. Yeah, yeah, and he, he he of course did sorority babes in the slime balls ballorama. I'm I'm actually yeah, I'm actually a, a big Dakota fan too, and he's made he's made some legitimately. But he's movies. yeah, exactly. He's that that's the big difference. He's made some really good movies. And also, his movies have shown a progression in terms of, particularly in terms of production values, because mm. he went on to direct for Full Moon Video, where, yeah. you know, not that, there's a lot of shitty Full Moon Video movies, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, he, he, he made movies that looked like movies. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, actually, and I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that Todd Sheets actually made a sequel to uh, Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. Yeah, it's um, Sorority Babes in the Dance-a-thon of Death. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, so I'm not. I'm gonna, not going to pass judgment, but it's probably shit. <laughs> probably. That's so, all I'm saying. So, <laughs> let's get back to the plot. Let's get back to the movie. Yeah. So, uh, there's a point where where the main female character. You said her name was what? Now I don't even. Lisa. I, yeah, I, I I think this is Lisa we're talking about. She's the one who falls asleep on the bed, right? Yeah. yeah. There's only there's only two females in the entire film. The other one is sort of a made up like a goth type face and she barely yeah. talks and that's that's Melissa but she's kind of a non-entity so so when Jeff Foxworthy captures Lisa and she, he's dragging her across the floor and, and I feel bad for her because her pants are getting so dirty 
And, you know, because it's so filthy in there. It's a movie, though. But I feel bad for her because she's going to have to go home and wash them. And, you know, like, that's work, you know. But uh, anyway, (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Well, he's dragging her. He's dragging her down there, you know, down this hallway. And, like, I keep thinking to myself, like, like, how much is she helping him? Because he doesn't look big enough to be able to drag her down a hallway. (laughs) That's true. He's a really kind of spindly little guy. Tiny, tiny little dude. So just to give people kind of an idea of how this kind of transitioned from one scene to another, uh, she was with the family and with Spider, and then she laid down to sleep, and she was grabbed and and brought back to the bad guy's lair. Yeah. And, uh, and just like you said, dragged there, basically. Dragged. And uh, when, when they get to the lair, that's when we get uh, another kind of scene of, of jammed, packed violence in that she's tied to a chair... And there's two people hung up. Random uh, in, people, yeah. Random people. Actually, not not just random people. Two of the cast members from Prehistoric Bimbos in Armageddon City that nice. I could recognize, actually. Um, and <laughs> I don't know how they ended up here. So then, then there's just sort of random scenes of violence. They nail uh, a nail through her hand. Yep. I have to say that wasn't a bad effect. That, that was that, that was probably the best effect in the film. I was I was pretty impressed. And then they stuff nails in uh, one of the other victims' mouths. Um, I, you know, there's not much you can do. Uh, and what do they do to the uh, to the other guy? They cut they his, cut his tongue out. Razor blade. That's right. They cut out his tongue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's obviously an, again. Uh, but I love I love when they pull when they pull the tongue out of his mouth, like like it's still attached to the scissors, so to speak, and it's re- and it's obviously just like. It's it's just like a a a, a blood soaked piece of foam, <laughs> you know, like like it doesn't look anything like a tongue whatsoever. <laughs> you you got to give H. G. Lewis and David Friedman credit that at least they got a tongue. Yeah, they got a tongue. I mean, you know, and and that actress, um, oh, was that? Oh, I can't remember her name. Was that Connie Mason? Oh, in in the yeah, in Blood Feast. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least, she, I mean, like, I, I felt so bad for her because she had to, like, stick, like, the end of that tongue, like, in her mouth so they could pull it out. Ugh. Film lives forever, you know? Yeah. One moment of being uncomfortable, that doesn't mean anything. Oh, no, you yeah. Drag they... across the floor getting your pants dirty, <laughs> that doesn't matter. It matters. <laughs> you just need to make sure that you're suffering for the right product. Yeah, it's Blood true. Feast, right product. Worth it. Nightmare Asylum, wrong Pro- product. Probably not. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I mean, like, as much as I did, like, and I, I'm going to say this over and over again, I enjoyed Nightmare Asylum, you know, on my own sick level, but I, but I could never, ever, ever in a million years recommend it to anybody else, because this is very much like, like, it's almost like Todd Sheets was, like, there's, there's a certain period of his career where he's basically just making movies for me, <laughs> you know, where it's like, clearly, I'm the only person who will ever enjoy this film. It's, it's a tough... I mean, you really do have to be uh, very much on the same wavelength as what he's trying to actually present here, because you have to go in kind of expecting there to be so little uh, production value and that there's going to be uh, uh, strong inconsistencies within the movie itself. Yeah, as long exactly. As you can accept that, yeah. then you might be able to get some enjoyment out of it. Exactly. I will say that I didn't. I, mean, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't the first time, and I really didn't the second time, where even some of the flies I kind of glazed over the first time, they just were sticking out at me. And really, you don't need to go looking for flaws in this movie. They're staring you in the face the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, that, so, but uh, yeah, when, when, we, when we get to... 
to the end, so to speak. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about the the one thing I utterly hated about this movie. But and this, you know, I mean, there are there's a bunch of things I disliked about the movie, but there's only one thing I utterly hated. And we'll talk about that later. I, okay. I want I want to get back to uh, I want to get back to, uh, to to this particular scene where where he you know where they're just af- I think it's just after all the stuff with the uh, the nails in the mouth and the cutting out the tongue. I'm trying to think. Was it with was it with the girl or was it with the other girl? Like I remember, they capture somebody and then uh, and then I'll just call him Cletus for lack of a better name. You know, says 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 the greatest line in the film. I mean, the greatest line. Like if you watch this movie for anything other than this line, I mean, you got to just just this one line. It, he says to her, "Take the bitch to the zombie pit." <laughs> I actually think it's Todd Sheets who says yeah, that. Yeah, Todd Sheets says that. That's my favorite line in the entire fucking movie. What's so interesting about that line and how it's actually said, and I imagine you're going to play the clip here, I will. is that uh, is that he, it's like his character who's sort of this, not fun-loving, but threatening in sort of this goofy way, but at this point in the movie, he takes a little bit of a turn, and he says it kind of like really kind of pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it actually it almost works as a line, uh, because you get this holy shit, the zombie pit. What could this be? Yeah, that that one that one moment, just that one moment, um, made me realize where there might be some potential in Scarlet Fry. You know what I mean? Because they're kind of like the same kind of character, you know. Okay. I could say, oh yeah, like like the, it's kind of got a goofball element. Yeah, kind of like, like if a, you were to take it seriously for a moment, and it could kind of turn on a dime. Exactly, then, exactly. Okay, like yeah, I like see you, that. like I you could. See it. You could try to do this like goofy thing, and then just like this total shift to the sinister, and, and you know, and if they had done anything like that ever um, I, with either of them, I mean, like, like this is like that that one line is the only real moment in this in this film where it where it does turn from goofy to sinister, but then it goes right back. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead, uh, go, but go on about the zombie pit. Well, I'm not going to go on about the zombie pit because <laughs> I do want to mention that immediately after. Uh, or like like just a, like a minute after he says that great line, the movie has the weirdest glitch where the, the entire screen goes black <laughs> and there's no sound. It's like the movie just ends all of a sudden and it's black for like just a couple of seconds. Yeah. But it's like, oh man, this is just symbolizes the quality control here totally. <laughs> Sorry for the inconvenience there, folks, but it seems we're having a bit of heavy Hancock-related technical difficulties. If you'll just remain seated for another moment, I'm sure it'll all work itself. Oh, what? Oh, oh, oh. We now return you to our program. Yeah, because there's a point earlier in the film where where um, where the tape obviously was uh, fixing itself. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like where like the black bar rolls up the screen for a yeah, second. Some you know? issues, yeah, some tracking issues. Yeah, some tracking issues. And and I didn't really blame that on on the the editing process, so to speak. That was clearly the transferring process. Yeah. Once again, this this but, is a DVD that was taken uh, transferred directly from a VHS tape. So who knows how many are uh, how many of the problems. Well, we know that some of the problems are, are inherent in the original source material, but in terms of some of the image quality aspect and certainly some of these glitches, it could be just from the transfers. Yeah, but but man, yeah, but that was like I like I thought the movie ended for a second. I'm like, real, that was really short. 
Not that the real ending is any less confusing. No, the real ending's obnoxious, but <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah. So so yeah. Then it just it it blanks out for like a good like ten seconds. You know, like no idea what's happening. Like I was about to shut the movie off because I thought it was over. I'm like, oh okay. So he takes this bitch to the zombie pit, and that's the end of the movie. Fine. Nope. Comes no, back. Comes back on. <laughs> Believe me, I was never more depressed than when it came back. Um, and I suddenly remember that there's another 10 or so minutes left in the movie. So she does get taken to the zombie pit. And the zombies in this case are just some of the people who happen to be in the Nightmare Asylum. Yeah. Uh, they're not really zombie-ish. Some of them are just wearing Halloween masks. And some of them have, have like kind of white ghost face paint on. Most of the people in this movie who have... Who have makeup? It's just white paint. Yeah, it's um, it's essentially yeah, it's essentially like black metal corpse paint. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and and we do get a scene uh, almost immediately after this part where uh, two of the the kind of extra characters, the other female that I mentioned before, she she had gotten pulled into a grave, <laughs> and uh, she suddenly comes out of the grave, and her face gets all melty. Um, it, it's like this, this like water and goo is all kind of dripping down her face and then she grows horns from her face makes sense I, sure like they they did they used uh like a prosthetic thing where you where it's got like an ear bubble inside yeah, that yeah. that actually her face actually kind of compresses uh and and you know I, I can see what they were going for there there is a great moment where she's supposed to be floating in the air so they show her feet and they're kind of raised up from the ground <laughs> but when they cut to a different angle she's just obviously just standing on the yeah, ground yeah yeah <laughs> she's not like floating um so anyway that happens and then it's not really ever spoken of or referred to again yeah they, they do that they do the same kind of effect in in zombie rampage yeah uh but to a much greater like effect you know like it was it was done much better it's odd to think because zombie rampage uh which which is a better film it's not a great film or anything like that but it's one it's one of, so- of Tachi's best yeah, and it's it's also one of his first. It's from yeah. uh, at least three years before this one was, so that's kind of interesting. That shows a lack of progression that I don't necessarily know <laughs> what to think. Uh, well, you know what? Yeah, there, I mean, there you, you make a compelling argument, but I, uh, you know, I have I have irrational love here. So I will say there is a scene coming up that I I thought was uh, all right, which is when Pops, who uh, was the the father. In the, in the family. We didn't get to know any of these characters. No, by the way. no, no. They're introduced just as a way to then later... Um, kill them. They'll show them again, and, and then they'll kill them. In this case, he's tied to a rack, because... Uh, not a rock, uh, but a rack, <laughs> like one of those stretching implements. Yes. Um, and they're torturing him, and they're talking to him. And like you said, they've already gone back to wacky at this point, so yeah. Fox, where he's there. It's, un- it's unfortunate, because like if he had... If he had taken it and turned it sinister for the rest of the film, like I would have been impressed. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least it would have been something, even yeah. if it didn't happen until halfway through this sixty-nine minute movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so pops, uh, they end up ramming a uh, pole up his ass and out <sighs> his mouth. You know, that, like you said, that's so like anticlimactic. You know, like like I'm you like it was, it was so like matter of fact. You know, like that that's a major moment in the film. <laughs> they ram a pole. Up his ass, you know? I mean, and shove it so far up his ass that it comes out of his mouth. No, it didn't happen in real life. It's, I it's I, in the movie. I laughed so hard at that scene. It's funny. I, I can't remember. Is that same gag in the original 2000 Maniacs? Because I, I know they do the same thing in 2001 Maniacs. I don't uh, think... I don't think they... No, I don't think there is a... I don't, I think, don't think so either. Yeah, so it's funny. Maybe... Yeah. Uh, 
maybe a reference to Nightmare Asylum in 2001 Mania. It's possible. I mean, I mean, granted, it could just be a you know Vlad the Impaler thing, but holes uh, up people's asses. We just can't get enough of them. I I find that comically hilarious. Like it's that's one of those like things that are so like inherently wrong. Like shoving a pole up somebody's ass so that it comes out of their mouth, you know. Like it just reminds me of like the scene in uh, that that early Peter Jackson film, uh, Bad Taste, right? Where where one of the aliens picks a dude up and then like sh- jams him th- like through another guy. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> you know, and like and like his head comes out from between the dude's legs, and it's just it's yeah. Cool. That's actually Peter Jackson coming out from the guy's legs. Yeah. Peter uh, yeah, Jackson, uh, you know. Yeah. Now there's I mean, that's, that, that's a movie. That's a movie worth getting dirty for. That's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the effect of the of the stick going up the guy's ass was anything to write home about. It was oh, through his pants. No, no, yeah, yeah, it was through his pants. It wasn't very good, but it made me laugh. Come on, then. Oh, yeah, roll it over, roll it over, in the clover. Right there with you. Yeah. Pull up a guy's ass. I'll take it. I'll love it all day long. Now, did anything of interest happen between that point and the end of the film? Because I don't really remember much. The only thing that that I really noticed, especially this time, and it kind of annoyed me, is that while this this uh, this kind of violence is happening with Pops, uh, there's a few characters there at the same time with him in the room, and they're cross cutting between this and Spider, uh, the love interest, getting sort of torn apart by zombies. Yeah. But the thing is, some of the characters that are tearing him apart are also in the other room attacking, uh, like sticking the pole up Pop's ass. So these things are happening simultaneously with the same characters. This is an alternate universe where things like that can happen. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I think maybe a wizard did it. A, wi- uh, a wizard the... did it. That's a great, that's perfect. A wizard did it. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. It's a wizard. So Spider, he gets torn apart, so he's dead. Um, and uh, Lisa feels threatened by the, the zombie pit that she's found herself in, and it looks like things are going to go very wrong for her, and then something happens. What happens? I don't remember. Oh, she wakes up. She wakes up. Yeah. Great. Now, now, oh. in, now... <laughs> I, have, I have very few rules when it comes for filmmaking, but rule number one in my world is this: if it was all a dream, you get you get one star. <laughs> like it's all a dream is the cheapest cop out in filmmaking ever. Like the, the the entire movie can be amazing. It can be fucking Citizen Kane, and if Citizen Kane at the at, woke up at the end of the film because and it was all a dream. 
I would give it one star because that because it's the cheapest fucking cop out. But then they kind of redeem themselves very little. <laughs> and and there's a knock on the door. Who could it be at this time? You know. Oh wait, I don't want to. Oh no, no. Let's let's not let's not ruin it yet because there's an amazing phone call that takes place that first. Phone call is amazing. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the entire phone call at at this point in in the episode. to hear it because i love i love when filmmakers do this and i and i know you do too when uh <laughs> when when they when they play one half of a phone call and it's just the person responding to the other person so it's like you have to kind of like infer what the other person is, might might be saying the context of the phone call didn't make any sense to me at all none she woke up to what from what she thought was a dream and she calls her friend on the phone and she says something like yeah i could have been in big trouble and it's like it's just a fucking dream what what, what kind of trouble were you going to be in yeah exactly i would i would have been i would have been in big trouble if i hadn't woken up <laughs> i mean and it's and also is it the middle of the night did she just call her friend in the middle of the night and she sure. looked like worried she she looked relieved when she, she was happy up. she was she, yeah. like remember she like she like wakes up and she goes ooh she's like all she's all like excited about the fact that she didn't just get ripped apart by the zombie pit great yeah cuz i mean it is sort of dreamlike in that it didn't make any sense so you know you woke up you woke up and you call your friend and you tell her how you could have been in trouble and then you say goodbye and then that's it right that's the rest of the movie that's the whole thing yeah except 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 there's a knock on the door who could that be I don't know. Let's go up and check out who might be at the door. And she does do the smart thing, which is that she doesn't just immediately open the door because that would have been retarded at that point. Yeah. Um, she does say, "Who is it?" And there is no response. And then she says, "And then she says my my she says my favorite my favorite line in the entire well not my favorite line in the entire movie, but I already said what my favorite line in the entire movie is. But she says she says I'm not opening the door unless you say who it is. Good. That's a good idea. That's, Don't open the door. That's brilliant. Unless the person says it, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that she follows that advice, right? Because that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the, mo- the movie ends right there. She's safe and sound. It was all a dream. No. No, she says, I can't remember the name that she uses. Like, she thinks it's her boyfriend. Jeff, is that you? And then she just opens the fucking door. Yeah, she opens the door. Christ. And then that's she gets... Who it is. And then, she, yeah, it's it's... Uh, it's like the guy from the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the big Jawa guy. Oh, 
it's the it's the big black cowl guy because yeah. there's nothing scarier than a, a vinyl black cowl. Basically, it's made out of plastic, you know. <sighs> but that's not that's not the end because that's not the last fake out. There's still one more fake out. I don't even remember what happened after you that. You know then. what happens is that he, he she opens the door and the guy in the cowl is there and he he like grabs for her or something like that and then she wakes up again and she's back on oh, the bed. Oh, that's right. The spider. That's and right. So we're now now it wasn't just a dream. It was. <laughs> we're getting we're getting to like inception level here where it's like it's a, it, it, it was a dream within a dream within a dream at this point. At least I won't be all right, Lisa. Why that time? I don't know if I want to. Yeah, so she's back at the beginning, near the beginning of the movie. Where she where, fell asleep. Where she fell asleep on the bed. So most of the, 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 the things that have taken place were all a dream, except she still is in the Nightmare Asylum, and there is all this weird shit there. It's just that they didn't happen to her yet. Except then she gets grabbed and screams, and then the movie's over. And the movie over, movie's over. I'll give her credit. She can scream. She does a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's and it's and it's 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 exceptionally better than the uh, than the screaming in like, you know, the summer of the massacre. That like that was obnoxious screaming. At least this, you know, like it was appropriate. Summer of the massacre doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> I I don't I disavow any knowledge of that film. <laughs> uh, so let's go over just quickly what this movie is all about. It's it's awful, horrible, piss poor, uh, lower than high school pro- uh, drama club acting. Uh, it's got completely incomprehensible dialogue and music that is horribly repetitive and totally inappropriate. Um, the the violence, there's a couple of decent moments. Well, hor- hor- well, 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 hold on, hold on. Get, to, in, in regards to the music, yes, it's it's horribly repetitive, you know, or <laughs> inappropriate. It's it's well, it sometimes is both at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's really mixed terribly too, so you can't understand what's what's going on, um, and the plot doesn't make any sense. The the scenery is some of it. Hey, they're getting some production value out of the fact that there's there's actual props and things around that they yeah. can use. Yeah, uh, there there is a part where uh, Todd Sheets is threatening Lisa in sort of like a, a lab type deal. Yeah, uh, where he's got like a medical textbook and he's threatening her. Uh, and he's like just I mean this is the scene that drives me nuts because he just screams at her the entire time yeah and he's like slamming the machete into the floor like I wonder how much damage he did to that floor just from slamming the machete into it he's he's making art sometimes the set has to suffer for Todd Sheets to make some art oh well in that case so uh that's it. Well, that's the end of the movie, and then we get the closing credits. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of closing credits, especially for a lot of these movies. Well, I got to I got to tell you, you know, like I wasn't really before, but since you mentioned, I mean, like, at, like since you've been mentioning some of the weird shit that's been mentioned during closing credits in some of these films, like I've been, I've been going out of my way to stay through the end of the film. And yeah, this this one definitely delivered on some on some funny shit because it made me realize. At some point in the movie, there was a character named Shlooby. Shlooby! <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was I was specifically waiting for the character list because I didn't know what some of the names were. Now I don't know which character was. Clubie. Who knows? I, I mean, uh, I'd, I'd like to think that it was a memorable character, but obviously not, uh, since we don't remember them ever referring to anybody as Shluby. Uh The characters listed are, are Lisa, as we know, Spider, Jemiah, who I don't know who that is. Yeah. Uh, David and Melissa. Uh, Melissa was the other girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's Pop, and there's apparently a character named Sunny Boy, who I have no idea who that is either. Oh, you know who Sunny Boy was? Which one? Um, Sunny Boy was the one was the spindly dude who gets. No, 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 no. The the, oh, uh, the other mullet guy. The other mullet guy. Yeah, that that was Sunny Boy. Okay, so we can remove him from the Shluby equation. Yeah, he wasn't. Least. He wasn't Shluby. Uh, well, I like I like to assume that Shluby was uh, was the Jeff Foxworthy guy. That's who I'm going to say Shluby was, whether that's fa- that's fact or not. Yeah, that uh, that guy looks like he belongs in a trailer park with a bear in his hand, and uh, you know he looked a little bit. I thought like a, like the master from a man of hands of fate. Dead? No, madam, not dead the way you know it. He is with us always. Not dead the way you know it. He is with us always. <laughs> That's that is an amazing comparison. Yeah, that is brilliant. Yeah, well, <laughs> the master is now Shlooby. Shlooby. Let's make it very clear. It's not Shlooby. It's Shlooby. S H L O O B Y. Shlooby. That's an amazing name. I'll give him that. Uh, if I was going to be in this movie, I'd want to be Shlooby, no doubt about it. Oh, without it. a doubt. I would read through the script and I'd be like, I don't care who all these main characters are. Who's this Shlooby guy? That's who I want to be. He doesn't pop up that often, but he has a really memorable part. He's got a great name. That's all That's all I'm interested in. You know, how come can, all these pages are blank? Can, yeah, how, how, come, how come you basically just handed me a composition notebook? I mean, do, like... <laughs> something's happening in this film, right? Oh, no, 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 no. We're just going to make it up as it goes. All it is is one sheet of paper and in the middle of it it says, take the bitch to the zombie pit. <laughs> take the bitch to the zombie pit. Uh, so the credits also tell us, of course, that this was filmed at the Devil's Dark Side Haunted House. Yeah. Uh, which I have no idea where that is or if it still exists. Yeah, because it, still... it doesn't say where it is. It just says this is where it was. But, like, heaven forbid you want to know, you want to actually go there. I'm a little surprised that it didn't get more of a shout-out considering how much they used it, you know? It's 100% of the film. Yeah, you think they would have used it as some sort of trade-off in terms of promotion. Yeah. Uh, But but I guess not. Uh, There's also, of course, the shout-outs at the very end. (laughs) Now, was there anything interesting about the shout-outs that you can remember most? You know, I'm not going to lie. You know, I I didn't write... Like, it went by so fast I didn't write any any of them down. But I do remember there was... There was some funny shit in there, but I just can't remember what it was. So I'm assuming this is a setup for you to tell me what <laughs> what, what the funny shit was. A setup, bro? Whatever do you mean? No, I was asking you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I don't want to be mean about it, and I don't want to be crass or kind of a douche about the whole thing. But at the but same in, time, I still want to hear what you have to say. So, But, but in most of Tachit's movies, the closing credits have a shout-out to Jesus. Uh, That's right. Because Jesus, man, he, he keeps them rocking. They, they keep making these movies because Jesus is there and he's powering them through. Um, and, I mean, that's great. You know, he has faith and that's awesome. I don't know if he still does. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But Jesus uh, is responsible or at least partially responsible for Nightmare Asylum. Add that to his list of crimes. You know, God is his co-pilot. 
I guess so. Um, <laughs> I wish I wish he would, he would uh, tilt that wheel right towards the ground and just smack. I know Todd Sheets is a nice guy. I don't want to say anything awful about him as a person or really as a filmmaker because I, as I mentioned in earlier uh, episodes of No uh, No Budget Nightmares. He, he isn't always making terrible movies, and he's been responsible for helping other filmmakers, decent filmmakers, yeah. get off the ground. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, he's 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 a very good uh, he's a very good starting point for for people. You know, I mean, like like I think um, at least or from that era, I should say. I mean, I think I think if you were a budding, you know, talent, so to speak. You know, and you were looking for a place to start. I think a Todd Sheets film would be a great place to start. It would, I mean, it would certainly give you a lot of what not to do. Yeah, and I think he's a very enthusiastic kind of uh, personality. Yeah. Um, for for anyone who doesn't know, Todd Sheets, uh, he currently is one of the hosts of the radio show Nightwatch, which is a, a sort of a paranormal show, and they do an interview with a lot of horror type personalities, and I mean, they talk to everybody. So I mean, it's it's a pretty it seems like a pretty good gig for him. Okay. Uh, I will say that the, his website uh, labels him as the master of splatter and the prince of gore, hmm. uh, which I don't know, man. I don't that's, know how. I don't know how true that is. <laughs> that those are some big words, Todd Sheets. Would you would you like to answer the uh, us questioning the fact that you may not be either of those two things? If so, give us an email or a call, and maybe we could set up something. Absolutely. I I got I got to say. I mean, being one of my one of my favorite like you know, micro-budget directors, I would I would absolutely love to talk to Todd Sheets. You know what? I would, too. Absolutely, I would. And, in fact, uh, I did email him uh, not too long ago, but never got a response. Mm. But uh, I think I do have uh, Nightwatch on my uh, Facebook, so maybe we can uh, maybe we can contact him. Who knows? Okay. Uh, he made, uh, just to let everyone know, uh, on his IMDb page, they've listed 34 directoral credits for... Wow. Todd Sheets, and that that goes up to uh, the year two thousand, where he released both Zombie Bloodbath three and a film called Catacombs. Um, but but since then has been, uh, I would say, unfortunately silent in terms of his uh, directorial output. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Uh, he, he did not write all of those films, by the way, but he did write as uh, under the pseudonym Roger Williams this movie, Nightmare of Asylum. That's a that's a great pseudonym to take. Roger Williams. He's got a great name. Todd Sheets, good name for a director, I have to say. That is a good name for I like like people always chuckle when I whenever I say I'm going to go watch a Todd Sheets movie. Now, what did when you were t- talking about before Mo, something that you hated in the movie, was it that ending? The, it was the ending. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was de- it's it, a cop out and then a cop out. It's a cop out of a cop out. And then I mean and then it's sort of like a it's an attempt to to salvage the original cop out. But ultimately, is 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 a bigger cop out than the original cop out, as far as I'm concerned. Like he should have, you know, like I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna have her wake up from a dream, have her wake up from a dream. I mean, I have to say that I thought it might have been, and I might be really giving him too much credit here, uh, a, a sort of vague reference to that great sequence in uh, in An American Werewolf in London where he uh, he's in the hospital, uh, David uh, David Naughton's character, yeah. and he, he uh, has that dream about his family being attacked by those Nazi creatures, and then he wakes up suddenly, and he goes like, Jesus Christ, and then uh, Jenny Agutter is there, and she opens the window, and then gets stabbed by another one of those characters, and then he wakes up again, uh, where it's kind of a cop-out, or you know, a fake-out of a fake-out. Yeah, but those the, but, are really effective. But you know what, though? That's, but that's not a cop-out. That's a fake-out. Like right. it didn't. It didn't happen. It didn't happen at the end of the movie. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's not that like like when you close a film, waking up from a dream, 
you know, and even if you close the film waking up from a dream that you just woke up from, you know, that, like that's a cop out. Like it's it's it's, it's a particularly a cop out in this case because yeah. at, at first there's the cop out because it's like, oh, it was all a dream. So the entire movie didn't happen. Then she wakes up again. It's like that time most of the movie didn't happen, even so, even though she's still in the movie. Exactly. You know, in, so in, so the, in the actual uh, circumstances. So, ba- so basically what, what you just did was, you know, in, in one situation, you wasted 69 minutes of my time. In the other situation, you wasted 47 minutes of my time. But I mean, but I, I know, I know, I know. For you, it's, it's, <laughs> no it's matter, a waste no matter, no matter what. what but, you wasted 69 minutes of my time. Yeah, but I mean... Like, uh, yeah, so that, so that's, that's why, that's why I was so pissed off at the ending. Like, I hate that. Like, that's my biggest pet peeve in filmmaking ever. Like, it's just, it never works. It's never clever. You know, it's, it's, well, it's rarely clever, I should say. I mean, I think I've had maybe, you know, uh, what, what was that? What was that TV show? Was that Dallas that, that did that? Who shot JR? Yeah. Well, it's like where, where they, um, they retconned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where basically, like the the end of the season, it was just like it was them waking up, and like that entire season had never happened. You know, like I thought that was kind of clever because they did it at the end of an entire season of television. You know, so it was clever on the, sorry on the uh, Newhart show as well. When in the last episode, he wakes up as the character from his previous sitcom. Yeah, which, uh, which, so the entire series was a dream. So that was pretty amusing. <laughs> yeah, see, see, and Bob Newhart's really one of the few guys who can truly get away with that. I mean, he was kind of brilliant with his with his comedy so i mean it, like like i i totally dig the fact that 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 happened you know like that's the way he ended that show Th- this not so much yeah well i mean that said you enjoyed nightmare Asylum. i did i did up until that moment up until up until the point where she woke woke up uh yeah i abs- i absolutely enjoyed enjoyed it i i thought it was uh you know not funny, but like. Come on, Mo! I want you, you to know. defend it now. You tell us why you love this movie. But I. But the problem is, is that I. I loved it for most of the reasons that you hated it. <laughs> you know, like I. Like I love it when when productions go so badly that that it's like you know like there's no veering away from like it's a train wreck. You know, and everybody loves a train wreck. I, I do love, I, I, you know, I just watch footage of train wrecks all day long. I mean, that's that's, <laughs> well, that's, because that's how you're, much I enjoy them. That's because you're a sadistic fuck. <laughs> I just, I, you know, no, it just makes me feel better to not be in that situation. No, no, exactly, uh, exactly. It's, it's uh, what's that phrase? Uh, it's schadenfreude, you know, it's like you're, yeah, absolutely. yeah you're, you know, you're, you're deriving pleasure from their suffering. And, 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 and it's, it's exactly the same sort of thing. Like, like nobody could have had you know, like that great of a time. I mean, you were probably cold and, and wet and covered in meat and like having your tongue ripped out. And, you oh, know, are we talking about me? Yeah. 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 yeah you, you specifically, you specifically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say the doctors did a great job. I, you, you know, you hardly have a lisp anymore. There's, there's few evenings that I don't have my mouth packed with meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds so wrong. <laughs> Once again, no reference to Michael Fassbender in this case. Wow. Um, but but I see what you're saying. I really, really do. And I do respect the fact that you, you get a lot of joy out of kind of this um, – well, things kind of devolving to, this, to its kind of lowest level. But yeah. it's not like you can pick out uh, – because in a lot of ways, that's what Las Vegas Bloodbath was all about, right? No. I mean, at the end of the day, that was still a really incompetently made movie that yeah. was using because of some of the dialogue and the scenes were so weird and over the top. But here – 
you can't really grab onto moments like nah, that. I mean, no. is this something that you're going to revisit because they're, you know, except for that one line that you really like, there's really nothing that kind of grabs hold of you. It's like, oh, I remember when that happened. Take Maybe that when bitch the guy to the zombie the pole shoved up his ass, but that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, you know, is there, I mean, you, you post the question, is there a chance I'll ever revisit this film? Uh, the answer, honestly, is probably not. However, if, I tell somebody about it and they and they want to see what I'm talking about. I will definitely uh you know watch the film with them. But uh typically when I watch movies with people, it's so that I can watch them squirm at how bad, you know, uh, you know, and then and then and then of course pose the question after the fact it's like you liked that. You know, but um yeah, I'm I mean I'm preemptively sympathetic to this person, whoever it might yeah, be. Yeah, whoever it is. Yeah, I mean like I don't really suspect anybody will ever you know, come up to me and say, Hey, you know, I, I want to, I want, you know, I heard you talking about nightmare asylum. I want to watch it. You know, it's, that's not going to happen because, because, you know, obviously, I mean, I have the reputation, you know, for being the guy who loves terrible movies. So most people, you know, like, I hate the fact that that, that sort of like means that most people discount my opinion on movies because, you know, bef- I mean, before, before these last, like, you know, 10 years of, uh, of watching shitty movies, you know, I spent a very long time watching really good movies. So, I mean, like, I mean, I, I can argue both ends, but I love, I love just low budget, shitty fucking movies, you know, like shit, shit, shit that's so bad that like nobody else would, would have the balls to watch it. Which is why I love. Which is why I love doing the show with you because you have the balls to to watch these shitty movies. I mean, we're, you know? we're treading in that territory. I mean, we're treading. You know, people talk about bad movies. People think that they understand what that means, right? They think they're talking about like, well, like like an Edward movie, but even talking about like the, the Beast of, of Yucca Flats or or even going into like modern things like The Room or Birdemic or something like yeah. that. But we're not talking about bad movies. We're yeah. talking about movies that are are not movies right we're talking about movies that are just uh i mean we go into this sort of rant every single time but these aren't just shot on video they're shot on video with nothing with no money with no resources but that's what makes it so fascinating when something of value comes out of that even if it's not intentionally of value yeah absolutely if it's just something that we can laugh at at least hey that that is some sort of emotional response it's entertainment it's entertainment yeah Yeah. there's some real entertainment hey we found a lot of entertainment and and I'll be honest with you. It was a little tough going back to this movie after the the sheer entertainment of Las Vegas Bloodbath. You know what? Uh, I, I can even I can agree with that too. I was a little apprehensive when I when I sat down yesterday to watch this. Um, I was a little apprehensive to to pop it in because you know I was thinking to myself, you know, how how are we going to top Las Vegas Bloodbath? I mean, that movie is was so much fun, you know. But I, I had you know like I actually had a uh, conversation with. Uh, with a, a buddy of mine on, on Twitter, and I had mentioned Las Vegas Bloodbath, and he's like, "Oh my god, you know." He's and, and he had heard of it, and he and he's like, "Oh, that you know that piece of shit." I'm just like, I'm like, no, 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 no. You gotta, you know, go go listen, go listen to the episode. You know, listen, listen, listen to what we have to say about it because it's, you know, it's it's not a piece of shit. I mean, it's not it's not a good movie, but none of these movies are good. That's not the point. You know, like it's it's a fun, entertaining film. Um, that will stick with you, and and that's and that's what I loved about Las Vegas Bloodbath. You know, at the same time, that's also what I loved about Nightmare Asylum. Is this is a movie that I will be able to, you know, to sit down and 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 talk to people about because it was entertaining in my eyes. I mean, we're talking about experiences here, right? Experiences. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's something where, I mean, I still feel it's a worthwhile thing to see this movie because you need to know that this is how movies can be. But uh, don't... A lot of people would have no idea that a movie like this, even in this kind of realm, would even exist. True, but but I would also caution people to not make this their first Todd Sheets movie. Oh, this 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 was my first Todd Sheets. I know, movie. I know, and I feel, uh, and I kind of feel for you because Todd Sheets has done some really awesome. Well, in my opinion, some really awesome stuff. And there's definitely, I mean, like I would always recommend Zombie Rampage. You know, as 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 a first. For, for Todd Sheets, you know, I mean, there's, I've seen maybe like 10 or 12 of his movies and, you know, and, and they're, and they run the gamut from, you know, from really, you know, like great for what it is to just sensationally bad. And I mean, granted, this one is, is, is probably closer to the latter. Um, so I, I, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't suggest this as, as a first Sheets film. There, there are there are some of his films where you can appreciate them on a level where it's like, hey, that's actually interesting. Hey, yeah. there's there are elements of this that are actually good. Maybe there's even a performance that's okay. Yeah. But uh, here, if you're going to enjoy Nightmare Asylum, which I can't, I just can't manage to to round up enough gusto uh, to do so. If you're going to enjoy it, then you need to enjoy it on on your level, Mo, which is that uh, this is a car wreck in film form. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, it's shit. It's you know. so fucking bad. And yeah. don't watch it, people. It's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really, I really want to warn people away from this one. Because... Well, it's got, but it's funny though. It's like, like it kind of cracks me up how, how you know, we've got that dynamic going here, where, uh, or I guess, um, I don't know what the right term is, the dichotomy, whatever. Uh, you know, where, where you're, <laughs> you're going on and on about don't watch this movie, and I'm going on and on about like watch this, but watch other Todd Sheets movies first, you know, <laughs> like, like I, I, I always, I always, whenever somebody asks me, well, I, you know, I need a, I need a good low budget film, you know, like what, what should I watch? Like I'll, I'll eventually get to, uh, to a Todd Sheets film at some point. I usually recommend uh J.R. Bookwalter films first, but, um, but Todd Sheets is usually close behind. Yeah. Well, I like my friends, so I don't try to put them through this sort of things. Uh, this is like the the metal machine music of of uh, Tachi's career, where uh, you know he has so much brilliant stuff. This one is just a wall of noise. That's true. Just kind of compressing your skull into goo. Um, I, I there's nothing that I like about this movie. Not one thing. Not one performance. Not one moment. Not even uh, not even take that bitch to the zombie bit. Not even that because wow. it feels. Because for one thing, it doesn't have any payoff. The zombie pit is. No, it's true. Movie. That's true. There's no. There's it's not no even a pit for one thing. Yeah. Fine, fine. <laughs> I'll concur on that one. Yeah, it's you know I, I I love the line for itself, and I and I and I hope that you know if I can live the rest of my life and and have the ability to use that line sincerely once, I will be happy. Not that I'm saying I'm going to construct a zombie pit and tell somebody to go to it, but I mean like you know I mean like in one of those situations where it's like you you need to like you need to escort somebody to someplace else, you know, I to take that bitch to the zombie pit. Look, I'm just going to start working, calling people Dookie into my regular vocabulary. All right. That that's what I'm going to take away. I'm going to talk about my aching kumquat. <laughs> my aching banana. My aching kumquat. You piece of dookie. You piece of dookie. You piece of dookie. That's that's all I can take away from uh, Nightmare Asylum. What I would consider, uh, from from what I've seen, and it's only a very small part of his filmography, the worst Todd Sheets movie. You piece of dookie. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we've got others to look at, so we're we'll gonna watch. Hey, we'll look, see. I'm not giving up or anything like that, and I'm going into each one 
with the idea that it could be good. I'm not the kind of person who's just going to condemn someone's entire career. Every time I sit down to watch one of these movies, the shot on VHS, I don't give a shit. I'm going to go into it with the idea that there might be something of value here. Absolutely. But I want it to be good. At the end of the day, I want it to be something that I can recommend to people. And it's still a disappointment when it ends up being so bad. Yeah, I have to to admit that there are very, very few uh, of these, you know, shot on video flicks that that i that i can legitimately recommend to you know to other people who i mean like i mean and i'm not talking mainstream audiences i could never recommend anything like this to to anybody who <laughs> you know because i i have some friends who like all oh, they only watch you know films in in theaters and 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 you know by big big name directors and obviously i could never recommend anything like this to them but i mean people you know somewhat i mean not not like us because we're kind of a rare breed but i mean um you know people like quote unquote us who you know who enjoy b movies and you know and like 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 things you know like i have no problem recommending things to people you know that that movie was batshit crazy and and utterly enjoyable from beginning to end and canadian and canadian and canadian (laughs) and canadian you know it's funny that you kind of uh reach and i bet a lot of the people who are listening right now can really relate to what you're saying now which is that you have a set of people that you know that you could never recommend any of these films absolutely uh because you just know that i remember sitting down with a group of friends and watching redneck zombies now redneck zombies is up on the kind of higher uh, echelon of uh, shot on video yeah. style horror movies in terms of production values and yep. things like that but unless people are expecting that they're still going to be like what the fuck is this how come people's t-shirts are changing from shot to shot exactly. what is going on here um, and, and you know that's that's how their mindset is you have to be prepared for what you're going to be getting here to some extent because otherwise you're just going to be left scratching your head and saying, why the fuck am I wasting my time? You know, it's funny you should mention Redneck Zombies too because I have a um, I have a, uh, a future episode of Drunk on VHS where I interview the, um, uh, the actor who plays the villain in the Bikini Bloodbath – well, specifically Bikini Bloodbath 3, uh, it's Christmas – and uh, his, his name's Matt Ford, and okay. uh, and he and he actually retells a story from his youth of how he was friends with <laughs> with a a little boy who was in the film, you know. So so like his first one of his first experiences with low budget film was going to his friend's house to watch him perform in in Redneck Zombies. That's amazing. That it, is... it really is. It's gonna it's gonna be an interesting episode. But I mean, I've been I've been kind of editing for like nine months now. I feel a little spoiled uh, this week, and maybe this even uh, colored my uh, my view of Nightmare Asylum because the film I covered uh, in the article uh, it would be last week at this point. Yeah, uh, was a was a British film called Panic Button, which was not really a low budget movie at all. It was actually made for about three hundred thousand pounds, so you know, almost a million dollars. Yeah, probably about. F- 20, 30, 40, 100 times more than this movie was made huh. uh, for. Uh, and it, it's really, it's unfortunately not currently available in uh, in North America. Uh, just got a DVD release in Britain, but a really worthwhile movie and a real kind of, um, a, a real sign of what someone could do on a low budget with mm. a little bit of ingenuity. Um, but uh, but yeah, so check out, by the way, the my interview with uh, the director, Chris Crow up over on Daily Grindhouse because it uh, it's a really interesting interview. Really good guy and I actually... Unlike a lot of the directors 
that I, I talked to, and they're usually really great people. Um, I, I could see him actually hitting it big in the mainstream. Really, really talented guy. Awesome. But that's it. I think we murdered Nightmare Asylum. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to go to bed now and then wake up from my dream and then wake up from that dream. I'm going to wake up in your dream. That's what's going to happen. It's Ooh. Inception. I'm, I'm in your head right now. This isn't happening. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, let's, so anyway, let's, let's let's wrap things up. Let's uh, let's let's let, let's let that cook. Let's let, let the kicker go, and uh, you know, and I, I gotta go pack my mouth full of meat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pizza dookie. Uh, I'm gonna take you to the zombie pit. All right. Thank you, boys and ghouls, for turning your dials back to WDGX, your station for mutilation. I am the Midnight Marauder, the murderous Mo, about to spin for you a new hit by Garbage Barge. It's called Man Witch. I hope you're hungry. I am a lonely man. I eat meat from a can.
dailygrindhouse.com. Tough films for the rough crowd. Follow us on Twitter at Daily Grindhouse. Mo is at Drunk on VHS. And Doug Tilly is at Doug underscore Tilly.